a lot of people were asking us about Blur Babes. If you live in the TTCU, you think to yourself, is Danforth so far? Is is Dufferin? Dufferin? Is that is that the Bundus? Dufferin? If you think North York, Young and Eglinton, oh, oh. It's, mm, Young and Eglinton, Blur Babe. Hello and welcome to the Hustle Over Everything podcast. This is the podcast where we receive stories, tips, and tactics from entrepreneurs who have done it to help you be a better person and a better entrepreneur. Sir, I'm Alex. And I'm Owen Osinde. And today we have a wild card episode. Yeah. That is where we talk about trending topics, what's going on with our lives, and just talk and chop it up. Mm-hmm. But I got Owen, let's go with you, bro. I'm doing good, man. But you know what I want to know is how are you doing, bro? I'm you chilling. know, I'm in, I'm in a good vibe. I'm in a good space. Just, I was a little bit sick yesterday. You're a little sick? Yeah, yeah. I had a, like some cold, you know, I was sneezing, sniffling, all that stuff, you know, coughing. But you're here, though. Yes. You're got, here for game time. Test, you know what I'm saying? Make sure I was got the straight. negative. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, man. It was my birthday week. Birthday week, good bro. About it. That's what I actually want to talk to you about. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling good. You know what? Honestly, bro, I won't even lie to you. Uh... I went to therapy on the day before, the 31st. Mm-hmm. And, bro, I don't know what it was, but I was, like, hella depressed, bro. I was in my feelings. I don't know why. Like, how many days before your birthday were you starting to feel this, like, level of depression? Like, two days. I think it was two days before. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel, like, amped for my birthday for once. Like, the festiveness was missing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and my birthday is June 1st, right? Mm-hmm. Which has been co-opted to be, you know, the day all corporations turn their, fla- their pride flags on. But um, usually it's like a mark of summer in Toronto, mm-hmm. summer in the city. And everybody's amped. You know, the city turns up from May 2-4 to June 1st. That's when the, everyone's mentally e- like... Everyone's wearing things lighter. You know, the drinks are pouring. Yeah. Patio season's open. Yeah, exactly. You walk down King Street, like, it's only two lanes now. Like, going going this way, going that way. Before it's two lanes, but now all the venues are like... Putting their patios up. Exactly. You know, the Blur Can't even focus at work. The King Street Kings <laughs> are kinging. You know what I'm saying? So Bro, it's, on the Blur Bays, man, we, we got to talk about that more. Yes, like, yes, yes. A lot of people were asking us about Blur Babes. So yes, let's sir. talk about what are Blur Babes. If you live in the TTCU, right, and you think to yourself, hmm, is Danforth so far is is Dufferin? Dufferin? Is that the, is that the Bundus? Dufferin? <laughs> Blur babe. If you think North York, Young and Eglinton, oh, oh. So, mm, Young and Eglinton, Blur babe. That is a you don't you don't have to be a man or a woman. It could be both or whatever you identify as. But if you think Dufferin is far, and you live in the U of the TTC. You are a blur babe. What's the, what's the next one? The Pusateri Princess Dorks. <laughs> <laughs> the Pusateri Princess. That is people who only shop at the Pusateris of the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The only is this vegan? Is the, is this uh is this coming oat milk? Is this fat free? You know what I'm saying? One of them ones. Pusateri Princess. You know, only eating at specific spots. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You Ooh. know the Pusateri Princess when you see one. So, 
Yeah, that, that, that's it in short. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. that You know, that clip has gone viral. Like, that blur babe. That blur babe. I think gone. it really resonated with people because conceptually, you can actually know what a blur babe is. Exactly. It's, you hear it and know. You hear it, like, you just feel like the, the essence of it. It's someone who doesn't want to leave their parameters of where they're at to really go do something that it might be just a 15-minute block or a 15-minute drive. It's just like, I want access, and I want it now, and I want it here. And I'm not being inconvenienced, inconvenienced to go and do something else in some next ends, bro. Mm-hmm. So that's me, essentially, bro. I got Loblaws outside. <laughs> you think I'm going to Walmart to go find, like, cheaper meat? Nope. I'm paying a premium because I am staying here and I'm bringing my meat from downstairs and eating it. Exactly. That's exactly. Blur Babe action right there. Blur Babe action. It's like BBA. Queen Street West? I don't know. Queen Street West is in Blur Babe territory. No, no, no. Queen Street West is in... It was in it'll be like Etobicoke. Etobicoke? That's like hipster territory. Brampton? Right Brampton? <laughs> Brampton too? <laughs> Hell people, no. People claiming uh, they live in T.O. but they live in Brampton. It's by, it's by proximity. Because if you go to like Alabama and they're like, where are you from? You got to say Toronto. You can't say Brampton when you're in mm. Alabama. But if you're in like Oshawa and talking to somebody in Toronto, yeah, I live in Oshawa. I don't live in Toronto. Yeah. You can't claim those ends like to international people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yo... You know what has happened on my birthday, though? What's up? Amber Heard, bro. June 1st, I'm at, at dinner, you know, celebrating my birthday, and I got news that Amber Heard has... Lost. Lost, bro. 15 mil, right? hmm Yo, what do you think about that? So, like, to give some more context in this, you know, um, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard got married about, like, I'd say five years ago. hmm And, um, you know... May 16th, she files for divorce and uh, four days after says that Depp allegedly abused her in the relationship while under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Then um, this led on to like where we're at now, where that, you know, this went to court. She's claiming that, you know, Johnny Depp did all these things, um, abused her and everything. And typically when women come out with these stories, instinctively we're supposed to support them because we're supposed to believe all women but factually what happened after they actually went through the due diligence over these past uh four weeks or so they actually found evidence that amber heard was the one who's actually abusing johnny depp right which was like very unprecedented because when cases like these come out it's the first time ever that a man was actually garnering so uh so much support within like the public atmosphere of Twitter, Instagram, the media and everything, a lot of people were on Johnny Depp's side, which was like very like huge to see because who supports a man in like an abusive case like when a woman says like, yo, I did not uh, I did not abuse this thing. So now where we're at right now is essentially Amber Heard lost this case. Um, she owes Johnny Depp how many like how much money does she owe him? Johnny Depp was awarded $15 million in damages, including $5 million in punitive damages, which the judge capped at $350,000, the legal limit in Virginia. Yeah. So that's huge. And the thing is, earlier on, Heard was actually granted $7 million in a divorce settlement, which she actually said, I'm going to donate this to <laughs> that was crazy. ACLU. And then she also said that she was going to donate it. What's the next? She said she was going to donate it to, like, 
ACLU and like UCLA um, Health or something like that. Yep. And she never ended up actually donating the money to like these uh, two institutions. So actually, she's actually deeper in the hole now. The fact that she owes debt and that money she could have used to actually pay debt for this case again, which is like very unfortunate. But you know what the biggest thing about this case is, is a lot of media organizations have really used this as an opportunity to really make a mockery out of it, right? If you look at the cases right now, a lot of these companies, um, news organizations are really turning the facts and creating a narrative of like how Johnny Depp is misogynist, he's everything. Well, the evidence just shows is Amber Heard inflicted a lot of like the abuse on Johnny Depp, right? And when I say this, I'm not excusing Johnny Depp out of anything that he did. There's a lot of things that lead to what Amber Heard did. Like maybe it was like a, a verbal abuse. There's a lot of things that he did. And a lot of the stuff, like, of course, I haven't read the whole case. I don't know if it was in self-defense. But when you look at the evidence, it shows that Amber is the one who did a lot of the, abu- a lot of the abuse towards him, which has caused a massive uproar within, like, the the communities of like me too a lot of women and it begs the question like you know this whole believe women movement right when we're talking about should we believe women at all times when they come out with a case that oh so and so abused me shaman had a great point he says we should hear all women and believe all facts Mm -hmm. that's what i think we should always do um, a lot of like the media organizations are making a mockery out of this case because they have the evidence right then and there to showcase that Amber Heard is the one who actually did a lot of the abuse. But the narrative over the past seven years is creating this movement about Me Too where women are coming out and saying, this man abused me five or six, seven years ago. And essentially, we're supposed to believe the women without any evidence or whatsoever Uh, that the man did this to the woman. And it's completely unfair. So public opinion has actually overtaken evidence that's actually supposed to be dealt with in court. So if I come out and say, if someone I dealt with 10 years ago say, yeah, Owen abused me, I'm losing opportunities. My career is down the drain. I'm losing um, the trust of the people around me just because a woman said I did this to her uh, 10 years ago. Is that fair? Definitely not. And it has rippling effects. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a movie star, and there's a ton of movies that were in line. The Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, all the people that were on those, that had roles there, mm-hmm. all the people that were a part of the set, you know, those people all lost their jobs and got put on pause. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully, it can, be, it can start again and start to, you know, resume production. But you know, to have that whole gap in time because of that, everyone has to go on to a new project because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's sad, but it's this uh, unfortunate reality. I think this is going to be like a marquee case within our society to, to think about how we approach pausing people when it comes to these type of situations. Yeah. And, you know, like, are we going to view me too differently now? I be- think so. Because a lot of people are saying that this is a setback for women. But mm. is it really a setback for women? It's actually a position now where a lot of women have to really rethink twice 
if you're really gonna come out with an accusation, you better have the evidence to really support your statements because this is a turning point within society where a lot of women now have to really come through and be like, okay, I have this evidence, I have that evidence, and us as public opinion to not quickly believe that woman. Because look, why can we not say you as a woman, you come and say that I did this to you? What consequences do you suffer if everything you said was false? Because I can jeopardize my career. You can jeopardize my career. I can lose everything and I have to start over. But you went away and you lived your life perfectly, but you did not suffer the consequences that I had to suffer because you just made that allegation. We are so effed, bro, because we got to be careful with the way we move in every single place. Like, if I'm saying hi to a girl, side hug. If I'm doing whatever, whatever, because... Anything can be misconstrued as, like, you sexually harassed me. Yeah, you know, there's a, I forget who was saying, I think it was uh, Patrick Pat David. He was saying, he told a story about a guy who, once he gets a girl into a hotel, he pulls out his phone and is like, hey, I'm just going to record real quick. I ask, hey, how are you feeling right now? You know, we're here chilling up by ourselves, but I just wanted to make sure that you have consent to be with me mm -hmm. and I have consent to be with you. So everyone's on the same page and it's recorded. It's crazy, but that's like the new norm that we you live in right now. You gotta protect yourself, man, because if you're not protecting yourself, like you can legit lose so much, and then just in future value, because once that's on your record, you are toast, bro. Yeah, you know yeah. who has a lot to lose right now? Who? LeBron James. He has a lot to lose. He has a lot to lose because he just got, you know, named as a billionaire. Crazy. We gotta give our we gotta give a toast to LeBron, man. Coming from nothing to becoming a billionaire. Toast to LeBron. Toast to LeBron. Toast, I, toast I mean, I got my coffee right here. Sure. Toast you know? to LeBron. Toast to LeBron, Bron. Yes, LeBron's definitely watching this. Shout out to LeBron. But, bro, like LeBron, he's the first active billionaire, active player to become a billionaire. So, LeBron James has made more than $385 million in salary from playing for the Cavaliers, yep. Miami Heat, Los Angeles Lakers. Off the court, he has raked over $900 million in income from endorsements and other business ventures. You know, his key to his fortune has been opting for not being just the pitchman, but also having equity in the businesses that he's endorsing. So stuff like this is, you know, he got an equity stake in Blaze Pizza. Yeah. He actually could have made $15 bucks from um, being a... McDonald's a spokesman, but he says, you know what? Math Carter comes and tells him, LeBron, there's this new um, business called Blaze that I think we can actually make a lot more money. This concept of pizza and making it like a subway, like where you can just decide your own toppings, was revolutionary. But like, I got to give credit for all the Seinfeld fans out there. You know which episode Kramer pitched this idea of you make your own pizza. Dorks, you're going to add a clip here to like have that reference of like Kramer pitching you make your own pie. So they invest in Blaze and, you know, he makes a lot more money from that than actually getting McDonald's. He owns a piece of Liverpool, my club, through Fenway Sports Group. Then he starts Spring Hill Company now, which has like made Space Jam. They're producing the Naomi Osaka documentary, which is dropping this July. But think about this guy, yo. Like he comes in this unprecedented talent and builds a fortune like this, just not from, like, that, that's not luck. That is strategy, you know? So 
a list of some stuff that he's done to really get to a billion dollars is, you know, Fenway Sports Group, $90 million there. Uh, Blaze Pizza, $30 million. Cash and other investments, $500 million. The Spring Hill Company, $300 million. And real estate, about $80 million, which comes up to close to a billion dollars. Nuts. Crazy. So, so how much real estate he has? Like, no one talks about his real estate. Either. $80 million in real estate is just like a little slept on thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder how... how I actually watched a video about his real estate. Really? Talk to us about it. Yeah, I think he actually got like one big mansion back in um, where he was born. Um, In Cleveland? Yeah, in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he just recently bought like two big mansions in Los Angeles area. One that is the one that he's currently living in, Mm -hmm. I think. And then he just invested in a super huge property in like Beverly Hill mm-hmm. and he even knocked down the whole mansion and restart he is again. going to restart it like wow. on the mountain wow. that's crazy you know what I'm saying like this is the only active NBA player like you know my question to you is LeBron becoming a billionaire an anomaly or can other athletes do it today is it I, possible for the athletes to do it today? Most definitely, especially now that um, the laws have changed for N, um, NCAA. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be able to build brand from a younger age. Mm-hmm. So by the time they get to LeBron's age, they're going to be monsters. Yeah, you know. So I think the runway is going to be a lot shorter now because a lot of people have the opportunity, especially with social media being so prominent now, and like how open platforms like TikTok are there's going to be a lot more opportunity for people who are dominating to get those brand deals and brand recognition from an earlier standpoint. Mm-hmm. So they can build that camp, that campaign up for themselves. By the time they hit 25, 26, 27, they already have a huge fan base mm-hmm. all across the world that they can leverage into products and into different platforms. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? So I, I think this is definitely possible. I think it is possible, but it faces a lot of challenges. Like what? A lot of players... You have a very short lifespan as an NBA player or a pro player. You have a rookie contract coming in, depending where you're drafted. Like, you know, the top 14 guys who get drafted in the lottery, you're guaranteed money, right, if you get signed. But what about the other guys who are, like, in the back end, who are, like, really struggling towards, like, making it, right? And you have to think about it. These are kids coming into the NBA. Kids, not like grown adults. Like, these are, like, 18, 19-year-old kids who've never been exposed to money. So how can we really, you know, trust a kid who's never seen money like this before, depending on any social class he's from, to really build a fortune, right? So it's, like, very hard for us to see LeBron as, like, this guy, you know, he's... I think LeBron is, like, one of a, one out of a billion. Like, there's not going to be another guy as active as LeBron, who's going to still be playing and still become a billionaire. I disagree wholeheartedly. I think there'll be a lot more kids that will become billionaires. Like, I think if... Think about it, if bro. This, Zion, if Zion has 2, the proper billionaires, team... billionaires. There's 2,000 billionaires in the world. Okay. But LeBron is just a, a, a marker of the shift between how people are using social media to create their own platforms. Like, look at Spring Hill. Bro, everything in Spring Hill is just made up, bro. Like, Defined made up. 
Listen, their brands uninterrupted is them taking cameras and filming their their friends. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. The shop is them building relationships and just leveraging what they have and filming it mm-hmm. and bringing that to a to a platform. Mm-hmm. Any athlete, not any athlete, I'm not going to say that. But once they b- build the infrastructure around their fame, they can do a similar thing. So I think multiple athletes would be able to do this, bro. Like, but, but think about it. Like, what makes an athlete a true, like, iconic athlete? LeBron, the name LeBron is a brand in itself. So if we're saying any kid can become a billionaire, like, that is... No, I'm not saying any kid can be a billionaire. I'm saying there'll be more opportunities for... There's more opportunities for people to leverage what we already have to build on top of that. So it's easier to build a production company now more than ever. Mm-hmm. So... Steve Nash, for example, could start a Spring Hill company because mm-hmm. he has the name behind him and a ton of relationships that people could leverage to sit down with Steve. Steve Nash? You want to sit down with? Hell yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And leverage that to start production companies, to start, and he has money to invest in real estate. So there'll be other avenues that people who build a name for themselves in the NBA can use. Yeah, it's just like difficult to really think about it like that because LeBron transcends basketball. We're talking about, I'm not denying the fact that you can make money like being an athlete. You may touch like two, three hundred mil, mm-hmm. but to touch a billion dollars, mm-hmm. you have to be a transcendent talent, a transcendent talent that plays for a long time, mm-hmm. right? Look at Kobe Bryant. He's and I, the 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 late great Kobe Bryant, I believe, was on his way towards a fortune For sure. in his like fifties with the investments he made with Kobe Inc. With um, uh, Kobe would have definitely been a billionaire. definitely been a billionaire, right? With his drink, what's it called? Um, Body Armor, the drink he he had a sports drink that did really well when it when it got sold. So he was on his way to become a billionaire. But what I'm trying to showcase is that. LeBron comes in as this generational talent. Like once, these kind of players come every 30 years. Like think about Jordan. You think about Kevin Durant. You think about Steph Curry. Guys who transcend the game and become a household name. The kids who are here now, they really have to utilize technology in a way that's never been done before to really offset the level of talent that they have. LeBron, he was lucky to be gifted as an athlete. 6'9", 240, can dunk, everything. Multiple all-star. He's Barely never... gets injured? Huh? Barely injured? Barely injured. He's like immortal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what can this guy not do? So I think LeBron was very fortunate to have athletic prowess that no one ever... Like, no one, since he, he's come to the league has able to use their athletic ability to dominate the game like LeBron. So I'm saying, like, if you don't have LeBron's ability, you stand no chance to, like, standing out in the league to really get that contract that's going to give you, like, $150 million over five years for multiple years to really leverage that money towards getting a billion. So I'm saying the kids who are coming now, if you're, like, an upcoming athlete and you're going to go pro, save that money and, like, get invest in, like, tech startups. I think... That is like the best way to really get yourself to a billy because LeBron walked himself into a billion dollars. Think about it. His Nike shoes have outsold so many um, brands out there of Nike athletes. 
Nike gives him a billion dollar li- a, a lifetime deal. Mm-hmm. Which athlete is getting that? I'm not saying this. Hey, so let me be very clear with what I'm saying. So I'm saying there will be other LeBrons to reach a billion in their in their time in the league. Yeah. Do I think it's going to be uh, everyday occurrence? Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Will there be a Zion that doesn't get injured or fat that can reach that point? One maybe every five, ten years? Definitely. Maybe. maybe. Definitely. I think there will be that one person at the NBA markets as that guy and chooses to be that guy. Face of the league. The face of the league. And he'll get that leverage that he can, you know, put into other things. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. That's what I'm saying, yeah. you know? And I 100% agree with you when it comes to investing in tech startups, you know? Like, look at how Andre Iguodala is making money right now. Um, Steph Curry's investing, you know? Yeah. So I definitely think... Even Luol Deng. A lot of people don't know Luol Deng was like a journeyman in the NBA. He's actually amassed a, a huge real estate portfolio. Like, the, the, mil- the money that the Lakers were owing him, he took all his salary and he's like building buildings like all over the States, even back in Africa. You know, he's built so much wealth. And even, like, you can look at um, an inspirational story like Ulysses Bridgman. I wrote this about back in the days of um, The Underrated. You know, he took his money and he bought franchise after franchise after franchise. He bought so many um, Wendy's uh, franchises um, that Coca-Cola bought him out. Yeah. You know, and he's close to a billion dollars. So that's just a journeyman who prioritized his playing time in the NBA and use that as like a way, you know what? In the off season, I'm learning about the franchising business. And he bought, he owned the most franchises in the States. This is a guy who played in the NBA. Like not like- Most a, Wendy's, right? Most Wendy's. Yeah. And they bought him out. By, like they bought him out. So he built a fortune, man. So like there's a lot of avenues here, but we got to start um, focusing on like the educational part about building wealth, getting these people like a a- a financial advisor who they can trust. Mm-hmm. Trust is a major thing because mm-hmm. these guys can finesse you. Get themselves a Michael Hairston. Shout out to Michael Hairston. Shout out to Michael Hairston, man. Uh, most definitely. But, you know, one more thing I want to ask you. Like, you know, we classify billionaires based on, like, the Forbes list. Can we trust Forbes as a true source to showcase who's a billionaire? Who else would we trust? I'm not saying we shouldn't trust them, but are their numbers really factual? I mean, probably not. But what else can we trust? What else do we got? What else do we got? You're like, like, what are you gonna do? Stock the Instagram? Be like, you know what? Looking at his Instagram. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying is just like, yo, like we're so quick to believe Forbes about everyone like becoming a billion that like, I was reading the article, and they're saying, yo, LeBron like is a billionaire, and it's like, yeah, he has about like eighty million dollars. Like, you know, all the facts that we're saying is just like he has about this much in real estate. He has about this, this, and whatever. I'm like, if you're claiming someone's a billionaire. Give me direct, like. Well, you want to see financial statements? I want to see financial. Like, I want to see financial breakdowns. <laughs> what? <laughs> I want to see financial breakdowns, bro. Fam. Because, yo, the, the way the <laughs> article. Tripping. No, no, bro. The way the article was written, it was like written in a sense of like they were reaching just like, yeah, we can estimate about he owns this. Oh, yeah, we can estimate his stake in this is blah, 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 blah. Which I'm like, if you're claiming someone is a billionaire, which is like a lifetime achievement and you're presenting it to the public, come through with hardcore numbers of like how you calculated this thing. Because if you're a business magazine, I want to see 
a breakdown of LeBron's portfolio and accuracy to the decimal, bruv. That's what I'm saying. Not talking to me. To the decimal. Mm. You get me, bro. So, and these billionaires, bro, they have money in else. Like, look at look at Pablo Escobar. Okay. They say he's a billionaire, but they say he had way more money than what they claim for okay, us hold to on, have. Hold on. Let's not put a drug dealer I, I'm, in that lane. I'm, I'm just trying to showcase like how I, I, like, I get they what just you, report. I get numbers. what you're saying, but think about it like like you know, as as podcasters, as media company owners, and you're trying to build those relationships with entrepreneurs. Imagine you're trying to reach out and be like, yo. You mind sending us your financials because you're going to make a report on you saying you're a billionaire? Can you be like, yes, I'm a billionaire. Hell no, you're not seeing my financials. That's how that conversation goes. Mm. Ain't nobody going to be like, yeah, yeah, you want to see my financials for the last four years? Hell no. They ain't giving that to you, bro. So Unless they'll give you maybe like like a top level. There ain't nothing like in-depth they're going to give you. Mm. Definitely not. I know would, you, would you be giving out your financial statements? If Forbes comes to me and says, "Listen, we want to make sure we think that you have a billionaire, billionaire stress," but before we report it, we want to make sure that everything that we're publishing is true, and I don't want Forbes to be saying, "We estimate, we believe, we think," based on this. What kind of reporting is that, fam? Are you giving them your financial statements? Yes, I am. All of my assets that I own, absolutely. Dorks, you giving your financials? Not a chance. So okay, so so that means I can actually go start. I can be a part of many different companies, and I can inflate my numbers and go to Forbes and say, "Hey, guys, I'm a billionaire." That's where the journalistic integrity comes into into play. You know, we're trusting that Forbes has proper reporting and is doing what needs to be done. That's what they've worked over the years for us to believe. That's the reality of it. I think I'm always in the under the premise of like, give me the factual data right here now to like, okay, the source this, the source that. That's journalism. You know, you have quotes. You have people who have research. Like, treat journalism and like um, stories like this. There should be, re- that's, I 100% agree with that. There should be in-depth research. In- in-depth research. That's you know? what I'm saying, bro. But to ask people to give their financial statements, like... What is wrong with giving financial statements? Bruh. But I feel like their estimate is already like really in-depth journalism or they won't even make this statement, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, You can write an article, but at least have a footnote. Hey, if you want a complete breakdown of how we arrived at these numbers... Go check this out. So I, as an See, aspirational person who yeah. wants to be like LeBron, you know, I want to be like LBJ, mm-hmm. I can be like, oh, wow, LeBron got you like a billion by 80 million. This is what he bought. This is how he bought it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yo, I can be like, you know, imagine like kid like who's in high school, like who or maybe in his I promise school who mm-hmm. wants to know how LeBron is a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Give me the numbers. Show me the strategy. Show me the way. But just don't. Come and say LeBron's a billionaire. Oh my God, he's a billionaire. You know, you know what's interesting about what you're saying though but, is that eventually we will get there as a society with like how decentralized information is going, bro. And I'm the one who's always saying, "Yo, yeah, like misinformation shit." You know how like I was like, "Yo, that's misinformation." Mm-hmm. I can say LeBron right now. That's misinformation. You can, I mean, you can say that, but that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. You know. Yeah. But eventually we will get there though with how like the decentralized ledgers are going. Yeah. Like eventually we'll be able to actually see what LeBron or whoever is making off, maybe like not internal, like in, in total, but um, with what assets they're doing through 
the, the crypto ledgers, you'll mm-hmm. be able to see, hey, he made that transaction and that garnered him this much. This Bitcoin is at this much, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, oh, that's interesting, man. We'll see, man. We'll see. You know, you know, Uplift Media Group will be a billion dollars one day. And we can say we're billies. Exactly. Well, we actually got to be worth like at least like $3 billion because for both of us to be billionaires, like it has to be our, in our equities, both have to exceed a billion dollars. Mm. So we got a lot of work to do, bro. <laughs> so now let's talk about um, companies switching their logos. Man, this is the biggest like, you know, when I see stuff like this, um, and Elon Musk actually had a funny tweet the other day. Yeah. He showcased like this storm coming down of um of uh people like you know, hey June 1st is coming and you see all these like logos coming through with like Google, Facebook, Twitter talking about like how their logos have changed to pride. You know, so what do we know? So June 1st marks the first day of Pride Month. Many companies worldwide tend to put rainbows next to their official logos as a support for the LGBT community. So this is a tradition now. Like, And without the internet, it's hard to imagine, will companies even do this if we did not exist in a social media era where, you know, if Twitter, if LinkedIn don't exist, you know, are people really putting logos? So recently, Elon Musk mocked this. And you know, Elon Musk these days is savage. You know, he doesn't care. He's going to call out, like, hypocrisy. Even though he's buying Twitter, he still makes fun of Twitter for saying, yo, you guys are actually just being fake here by, like, putting these, changing your color logo. And do you really believe in this? So one thing that stood out was companies such as Mercedes, Volkswagen, they changed the color of their logo in North America. They're North American divisions, but... If you check out the Middle East, they still have like the logo, like the same color. Mm. So like, which which makes me wonder, you know, are has it become a thing to do this because of social pressure? Hold on, which company? Volkswagen, um, BMW. Oh, yeah, they switched the logo to the Pride Month logo. Pride Month yeah, logo. So like, it's, it's, it's cheesy at this point. You know, it's cheesy. Knowing what's happening, too, is that people are trying to commodify Juneteenth. Are you seeing that? I'm seeing that, but, you know, I, I don't have a lot of uh, knowledge on it. Like, can you share more about what are they trying to do? So Walmart actually had to recall um, a whole bunch of items because they were uh, making Juneteenth ice cream, Juneteenth. Um, paper plates saying <laughs> it had a phrase on it called it's the freedom for me what the hell <laughs> yeah bro Are you serious? i swear to you bro it, it's so it's so crazy it's so crazy juneteenth ice cream here to go right here celebrating juneteenth this is like how capitalism works at its finest and how stupid it is you know um it's 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 Man. hilarious and the thing is this is like you know a lot of these companies, it's hard to know if they genuinely believe what they're posting. They because, definitely don't. Because it's, it's um, if you look at it, you have a lot of employees who are working for these companies, but some of them are, you know, they fit in the category of LGBTQ. And if they don't do that, you're, you're ignoring a portion of your, like, um, workforce who is gay, who feel unheard. So it's crazy how if 
it's crazy just like if you're gonna make a change stick by that over a long period of time but just don't do it over like a month period and then say yo like we're done we're gonna go back to our logo the way it is you know what i mean like i don't think you should just change the face of your company just to appease a certain group of people even with black lives matter why are you changing your like linkedin changed their whole theme to black earlier this year to support black not black lives matter but to support black history month Mm. do you really care about Black History Month or are you just like putting on a front? For sure. And it's just like the people who are actually in those communities like us, you know, we're selling Black History Month, Pride, you know, the the, the LGBT community. I should have an issue with this. You know what's crazy is that some companies will even go as far as creating internal communities for black people without trying to spend any money towards it. And that's what's infuriating. What like, do you mean, like they're creating internal communities? Ah, so I'll give you like a like a story that I've been been through, and I oh, won't mention companies. At a workforce you were at? Not at a workforce, not a company I was working with, but um, I'll, I'll give you an internal. So so um, this company that uh, wanted to reach out to me to to work with them, they asked me to do a workshop for them, and I was like, you know what? I'll do one for free. Mm-hmm. So I did one for free. Um, and it went really well. So then after, like, oh, we love the workshop. Do you like mind doing it again? And this company is a billion-dollar company. Massive. Massive company. Well-known. Well-known. Yeah. And I say, what's your budget? And they're, oh, we have no budget for this time. And this is for a black community within that company. Mm-hmm. And, and they're bringing you a black guy. A black guy. To talk about. To talk about what I do, Facebook ads for, marketing. you know, um, entrepreneurs. So I, I say, do you have a budget? And they say, we have no budget. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, when you have a budget, you can speak to me. Mm-hmm. You know, because you already did one, so now you know I'm quality. Mm-hmm. So you have no reason to think that this is not quality. And they don't take me, and they go and hire somebody else that's brown for the exact same thing. So the, and I can tell they don't pay him. You can tell they didn't pay him. They didn't pay him. So they're like, all right, we are not paying anybody to work. So basically wanted me to work for free for their black community, which is hilarious. And this is during Black History Month. This is not during Black History Month. Okay. This is after. Uh, but it's just hilarious to see that, like, it's literally free work that they want. They literally want slave labor. And they're legit creating a community to uplift that community. To uplift but, black people. To uplift black people. They've created a community for this, and they're bringing in you part of the community, but they don't want to uplift you by actually paying you for your services. Exactly. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Like, we are living in an era where companies are just protecting themselves from pub- public outrage. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, are we really forcing companies to change the fundamental principles of what they believe in as a company just to appease people? You know what I'm saying? Mm. We are allowing companies just to like on the whim to say, yeah, we support this. We support this cause. Yeah, we support this. Now, bruv, you had companies who had the Ukraine flag just a day ago. And now it's pride. Like we're we're living in this time where I support the current thing. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, we support this current thing. Now it's pride. That's what we're supporting. 
Like, like, where do you have enough room to support everything? That's the challenge. Is that companies want to showcase that you know they you believe can't in something. You can't show solidarity for everything. Sometimes it's just best to keep your mouth shut. Interesting. But then, where do you draw the line, right? Where do you feel like all right, we side with this, but we don't side with that? You know, that's where I think companies have a tough time. I think companies should be left alone to like just, yo, we're just gonna stay neutral on this. Because think about it, this power in just staying silent. If you stay silent, no one is actually going to come say, hey, you do not support Ukraine. Hey, you do not support gay or whatever. Because once you commit to the cause, every single year, you have to actually come through and actually do that again and again and again. Yeah. Right? And then you have like maybe like the C-suite, like these people at the top, they don't really truly believe in it, but they feel the pressure to do it and invest money to support these causes. Mm-hmm. So now you have money spent, you have companies spending money for things they don't really believe in, just to appease people who might not even be their customers, right? For example, I can say um, I support, let's say I don't even, I'm very neutral towards like BMW, but you can have someone who is very um, left-leaning, who is like, okay, I'm going to support the LGBTQ stuff. They can even be right, right-wing. It doesn't matter, but let's say they have an affinity towards supporting that cause. They see BMW, they do not buy a BMW. They do not drive a BMW, but they can see BMW did not do anything for Pride Month or supporting Ukraine. But then they can start tweeting and creating a, 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 a Twitter thread. It says, BMW does not support LGBTQ. BMW does not support Black History Month. BMW does not do this, whatever. And mm. now BMW is not, they have their hands forced towards creating a campaign that showcases the support this thing. Gotcha. So, they could get strong-armed into they it. They get strong-armed into it. Gotcha. So now they're spending like five, ten million dollars in branding and creating campaigns and whatever just to appease people who will never buy their car. Uh, it's the world we live in. You know, and honestly, what it, what it is too is it's content jacking low-key. The same way we are talking about trending topics now, mm-hmm. there's it's marketing dollars, <laughs> low-key. They're just like, all right, well, it's Pride Month this month, so why don't we have things to align with for Pride Month? You know what I'm saying? I, honestly, I think that's kind of what it is more so. We'll, Man, but we're losing our true effect of what we believe in as a society. Like, we're not, we're not standing for principles anymore. When right? did they ever? I mean, sometimes, like, companies, they didn't want to do it because they didn't want to do it. Like, for example... Um, some YouTubers, content creators, they they were asked by their by their followers, yo, are you not going to cover this death of this? You know, Kevin died, right? Abba and Preach, they were asked by their fans, like, yo, are you not going to cover, like, the Kevin Samuels thing? Um, because everyone was waiting for their take. But they're like, you know what? We're just going to let him rest in peace, and we're not going to, like, talk about it. That is, like, standing within your principles, you know? But just the, that's just by going from the pressures of, the, the, the mass to do something, that's why I feel like we're losing the fabric of like what is actually genuine and are we ever going to know something is done out of authenticity or from public pressure? This is like the era that we're going to be walking into and I don't think we understand the the consequences of what comes where a company is just doing things just to do the things. It's like we're living a lie. Everyone's just trying to please each other. Yeah. To make sure everyone feels appeased. Exactly. Word, word. You know who's going to shuffle a lot of our content creators up, though? This Ooh. new Bill, Bill C11. 
Talk to me about this, bro. So basically, Bill C11 is like a user content and heritage committee, which is like a, it's almost like a gaslighting thing that's going on. So this is really big for content creators. Mm-hmm. Bill C11 can affect a lot of us. So I'll put some examples out. So let's use, I've heard of Kristen and Reef. No. So basically, the YouTubers, they, they create pranks, vlogs, things of that nature, mm-hmm. right? And what they do is, you know, have content that kind of goes around being Jamaican, Canadians, or just... Oh, yeah, you, they're from Brampton, right? I'm not sure. I'm not I sure. I think you brought from. them up before to me. Yeah, yeah they're really dope. Chris mm-hmm. and Reef, shout out to y'all. Y'all should come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So let's compare them to Brandon Gomez. Yeah. Right? Kristen and Reef, Brandon Gomez. Now, when it comes to this bill... What it's aimed to do is to regulate social media and YouTube the same way broadcasting and TV and radio gets regulated, which means that there needs to be a specific amount of Canadian content that goes live, right? So now these social media companies would have to adhere to those policies in order to thrive in Canada. So what would happen is that Kristen and Reef, Marlon and Palmer, Marlon and Palmer, Marlon and Palmer, um, that dude McFly, shout out to you as well. They'd get, you know, they'd get shifted down throughout the algorithms. And Brandon Gomez would get lifted up because he's creating Canadian content. Mm-hmm. Steph and Dan are creating more Canadian content. So they get lifted up. But people like Kristen and Reef, they'd get pushed down mm-hmm. because they're creating content that's not really Canadian. Mm-hmm. It's just content overall that can be looked at from people in Germany to people in Jamaica to people in the United States and their audience is predominantly mm-hmm. in the United States. You know what I'm saying? And that can strongly affect our content creation careers because it'd be a lot harder to grow because we're not making Canadian content. Mm. So it's a big bill that we need to make sure we're staying on top of as content creators because it can really affect a lot of us. You know what I'm saying? Canada doesn't have the population to really sustain us, to be to be to keep it a buck. Mm-hmm. They don't. We have Texas and Los Angeles, sorry, California, California yeah. has more population. Actually, no, California alone has more population than all of Canada. Million. Think about that. That's mad. Think about that. California alone has more population than all of Canada. So the scale that you can grow in Canada is capped in comparison to growing in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying you can't grow um, to that, but it's going to be a lot more difficult. Think of Peter McKinnon, you know, if he's not, he's not making Canadian content, he's making content creation content, which sounds very meta, but you know, like he isn't making content that's based for Canadians. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this bill plays out. Cause it's not really, benefiting content creators you know but on the same note though canada does have a lot of programs for creators they have a lot like factor canada mm-hmm. they have a lot of stuff for musicians you know i want to see that go into youtube because i think that could be a next big thing for canadians so what i want to talk about is bill what defines canadian content let's talk let's let's figure that out let's take a quick second and figure that out hmm so making regulations on the paragraph the commission shall consider the following matters whether canadians own copyright in relation to a program, control the export, the exploitation of a program, and retain a material and equitable portion of its value, whether key creative positions in the production of a program are primarily held by Canadians, 
whether a program furthers Canadian artistic and cultural expression. Now, what the hell is that? What in the cultural world? Cultural expression. What is cultural expression? What is Canadian cultural expression? <laughs> How do you define that? And that's so vague. That that is one of those gray areas where it could be like Jamaican content. No. Yeah, a Canadian content. So Canadian yes. Canadian content is like we're making poutine. <laughs> oh God. We're making ma- poutine. Give him the <laughs> algorithm. <laughs> Give him all the algorithm. We are extracting honey from a maple tree. Content. Like content. that's what it is. Give it to a viral. The viral, bro. Like, what makes Canadian content? Like, I'm thinking this. If you are a Canadian content creator, there's certain areas you'll thrive in. News and sports. Canadian news, Canadian sports, that is where you'll make your bread and butter. There's no Canadian drama. There's no Canadian culture. What is Canadian culture? Talk talk to me. What is, (laughs) bro, we have no culture. Hockey. Yeah, but like what? Like, how can you sustain content creators by? How can you sustain content creators by just having a limited pool of like things to talk about? Because there's nothing to discuss. If we have China, if we're both Chinese men, we can talk a lot about Chinese cultural stuff. We can talk about Chinese movies, Chinese actors, um, Chinese food, food holidays. What is a Canadian Family. holiday? What is an in Canadian holiday? We May have nothing four? of that. Way too far, Bruh. That is mo- <laughs> that is the most British thing ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? Nah, but but take this part in though. So here's another one: so whether ca- whether persons carrying on online undertakings or programming undertakings collaborate with independent Canadian producers, with persons carrying on Canadian broadcasting. Bro, this wording is horrible. Can I just say? Man, they're just like adding a mouthful there. Bro, it's just <laughs> crazy, legal jargon. Bro. I'm going to say that one more time. Whether persons carrying on online undertakings or programming undertakings collaborate with independent Canadian producers with persons carrying on Canadian broadcasting undertakings producing their own programs or with producers associated with Canadian broadcasting undertakings and any other matter that may be prescribed by regulation. And then it goes into more regulations. The governing council may take regulations prescribing the matters that the commission is required to consider under paragraph one. Oh my God, this is a lot. 1.1. Take a quick second. You're, you're reading, Alex is reading legalese. That's what he's reading. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm going like, to legalese. He's right not now. speaking English anymore. Not at all. <laughs> but, Dorks, I want to ask you, like, you as a as Alex is looking this up, you know, you as like a f- aspiring, you know, docu series person making documentaries. What do you think about this law? Like, where are you gonna be as a Canadian? You know, you just got your residency, and in a couple of years you'll get your citizenship. How do you feel about being restricted towards just making Canadian documentaries for you to shine in this country? Yeah, actually, I mean, before this bill is being pushed. Um the creativity industry in Canada is quite censored already. Mm-hmm. Like before I got my permanent residence, I actually couldn't even like work in any documentary film set because like all of those production, they are depending on like government fundings and festival fundings. So I was actually not welcome to work on the set even because they cannot get like the fundings if I'm working there. And I actually also tried to write some different topics of 
documentaries to pitch to some companies mm -hmm. and what they told me is like the subject is not Canadian enough is not like a Canadian angle mm -hmm. which is like what what is the line of that because yeah. like the the thing that I, I told Alex that I was scared about is like how America has been pushing the same agenda and essentially like in the libraries they're using a similar line about like oh if the books are not American enough we're going to censor them and the research showed that like the the content that they're removing from the library are all about racism mm -hmm. about uh, gender equality about some ideas that are more new for us to be pushing yeah but then they're just pushing back these new ideas basically Damn. so that's scary so they're really trying to take out cultural it's like cultural cleansing in a way right where i know you guys are immigrants and everything but we gotta think canadian and be canadian and at a point i do respect it because look at how americans are americans are very patriotic in like an american way like what is being america you think about that when you th when i say the word america what what comes to you i think of a white woman over 55 years old that smokes cigarettes and has a really big belly <laughs> <laughs> bro that's culture like culture like like american culture is a house a white picket fence a dog the dad driving home from like a job like at the plants cracking a brewski uh mowing the lawn saying hi to your neighbor or maybe the neighbor is outside and you see him taking care of the grass you come and say oh hey joe i see you're taking care of your grass out there oh the lawn's looking pretty good like that is canadian, that, canadian. That, that is american oh, culture God, that was beautiful by the way yeah. <laughs> that was great <laughs> yo you're throwing some buds in there yeah and you're solid oh, you know like bro like like and there's oh hey like oh you seen doing that oh, okay you know i've been trying to do some oh how about them leaves huh like that's how they talk <laughs> that bro that's canadian culture but like that is such an old-timey way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. What about people like us, the new guys who are, became here from different backgrounds and different cultures? How do we fit Canadian? Mm -hmm. We make Canada. That's a fact. So I found the regulations right here, and some more legalese, so maybe you could take a second to try and di dissect what they're actually trying to say. Mm -hmm. the, commission may regula uh, the commission may make regulations respecting expenditures to be made by persons carrying on broadcasting undertakings for the purpose of developing, financing, producing, or promoting Canadian audio or Canadian audiovisual programs, including independent productions for broadcasting by broadcasting undertakings, supporting, promoting, or training Canadian creators of audio or audiovisual programs for broadcasting by broadcasting undertakings, or supporting participation by persons, groups, or persons of an organization representing the public interest in proceedings before the commission under this act. Did y'all did did tune this out? Or did y'all? <laughs> it just became like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what's Alex talking I, about? I tried, yeah, it's just legalese times oh 10. Oh my God. Like, what does this even say? Do you, can you, does this process no. in your mind, dorks? Can you digest it first? What do you I'm, mean? I'm trying. Read it. What, did you, what did you get out of it? All right, so what, I, what I'm th getting out of this from reading it, First off, I'm trying to like, you know what I feel like? I feel like I'm trying to like put words together, like <laughs> literally. Like you know that meme of that like one lady? Like, 
She's like doing like calculus algebra, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Look what I'm laughs> everything like, in one. Like, where, how am I gonna piece this together? Word, word, word. I feel like I'm solving a puzzle here. <laughs> All right. So, developing, financing, producing, or promoting Canadian audio. You know, basically, I, I feel like it's content that promotes um, persons or organizations representing the public interest of Canada. That's what I got from these three lines. You know, if anyone that has anything to chime in here, feel free to DM us and elaborate. But that's the main thing I got from this, is that if it aligns with what people believe or what the public or whoever is the person pulling the strings says, this is Canadian enough, we can allow this to get amplification. Yeah. That's what I got from this, in short. You know, so it's everything we're saying. It's people who have the ability to amplify or de-amplify content. And it's, it's ridiculous. I think it should be a free market when it comes to Canadian content. So there should be more incentives to train people. There should be YouTube school. There should be podcasting school. There shouldn't be, hey, you get this. Because you know what I realized, bro? There is a lot of content that gets on radio that's not good. Like, sometimes you listen to, like, Flow 98.7, and there'll be a song on it that I'm like, oh, this is the new jam. And I'm like, this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> it is this not sucks. good. <laughs> the song sucks, you know? <laughs> and I remember hearing, like, 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 seeing this in person. I went to a concert that was, like, an open mic, open open call for, like, new artists. Yeah. And this these two girls bodied it, right? And this new guy comes on and is like, yo, my song was featured on Flow 93.7 back when it was that. On the four four ninety point five, let me clarify. And I'm so excited. Here's the song, Crickets. Nobody was feeling the song. You know what I'm saying? He just got under the ratio. People need that. So basically, on the radio, they have to hit a quota, mm. a quota of songs from local artists. Mm. So what he did, he got under that quota, even though his song is garbage. It's garbage. He got under. So he's on ninety three point five at the time. But ain't nobody caring about the song. Mm-hmm. Because the talent is not there. Mm-hmm. But other girls that was there, they were killing it. No amplification. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I think is tough is that the it's it's it, it's meant to help, but sometimes it doesn't get as far sometimes because people just don't have the, the skill. Yeah. So what we're going to be seeing now is we're going to see a lot of content from creators who suck, but just because they fit the, they hit the Canadian-ness algorithm, now we're going to be like forced to watch them. Exactly. So even like YouTube from other people, we can't even have access to it now. Word. That's whack, bro. That's whack. I was like, hopefully it doesn't get passed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. But, but, but why is Trudeau doing all this stuff, man? Yeah, especially with the, the gun ban now. Yeah. Talk, what do you think about that, bro? So, as we all know, there's been crazy shootings that have been happening over the past, like, couple weeks. You In know, we States. have, like, the um, Buffalo shooting where the... The man just went and shot up a predominantly black neighborhood, and there were a lot of like elderly women who ended up, you know, losing their lives. Mm-hmm. We had the Yovalde, Texas shooting, where you know this one gentleman, you know, went and just killed uh, kids, you know, which is like so sad, you know, like they killed a lot of he killed a lot of kids, and it's a very controversial case because the police knew what was happening, but they didn't do anything. And I'm not going to get into the details of that because that's a very gruesome story to cover. But this has made a lot of changes to happen within um, governing bodies, specifically in the States and here in Canada. 
Mm-hmm. Focusing on Canada, Trudeau has decided to ban guns, purchasing guns, or any gun of that matter, even a toy gun, anything that looks like a gun, you do not have access to that. So they've introduced a legislation on Monday to implement a national freeze on the sale and purchase of handguns as part of a gun control package that will also limit magazine capacities and ban some toys that look like guns, right? So this new legislation, which resurrects some measures that were shelved last year amid a national elections, come just after a week after a gunman killed 19 children and two teachers in the classroom in Uvalde, Texas. So Trudeau says, we need to look south of the border to know that if we do not take action firmly and rapidly, it gets worse and worse and gets more difficult to counter. Which makes me ask you, we're living in a totally different country where, yes, guns do exist, but what of, what is with the snap judgment to ban guns after just a case that happens? Like, who in their right mind here in Canada is like, oh, yeah, I saw that kid in Texas do this. Let me go and shoot up like a, a Sobeys or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Especially when something is like so hot. Just to come out and ban guns. And it's so unfair because what case, what precedence do you have here to make this a law where there's like people who own guns and they go hunting, they're, they're, they're legal, you know, they have the legal license to carry firearms but they don't go out and shooting people. You know what I mean? Low-key, it feels like a petty move and it feels like marketing. For what? Like, you know when, let's say, let's say all right, if Walmart has five-day shipping, mm-hmm. Amazon comes out and is like, oh, you see, you see that there's five-day shipping? But yeah, with Prime, you have one-day shipping. Mm. It feels like Canada's doing that with America. It's like, oh, you see that gun shooting that happened over there? Yeah, we're banning all guns. Yeah. Oh yeah, we see what's happening over there. Look at look at look at over look at us. Mm-hmm. Look at us and look at what we're doing. Yeah. It feels like marketing. It's actually like a, a ploy to get more immigrants. Is what it actually feels like. Yeah. They're looking at America and seeing what's happening over there and making legal changes to attract more Americans. That's what it feels like they're doing. You know, but I have a question. Go ahead. So, what's the law for guns in Canada? Like, except I know hunting, you can get license. So, except hunting, what are the legality? There's a lot. I remember um, being uh, told uh, someone told me about the specifics of getting a gun in Canada, and it was a long, drawn out um, process. It's not easy to get a gun in Canada. There's no corner store like there is in America where you can just go and buy a gun. You can't go to Walmart and buy a gun here. It's not easy at all to buy a gun in Canada to start. You know, so And that's why I'm saying it feels like marketing because it's not easy already to get a gun. If you're buying a gun in Canada, it's off the street. It's not like it's legal and easy like it is in, in America. Mm-hmm. So that's one big thing. And you have to be registered and you have to go through a whole bunch of steps um, I can send you a video if you want to put it in. There's actually a girl who actually got a gun in Canada to show the difference. Um, I think that could be interesting for people to get some context. So yeah, yeah. I also want to ask you, like, when we look at the shootings, mm-hmm. there's so many shootings that happen across America that never get the time of day on media. Why these two cases, right? Is it that we only just vilify white shooters? when there's like a lot of like shootings that happen in Chicago like every single day that don't get the time of day on the news. 
And there was actually a photo of like, okay, these shootings have happened in the past couple months, but they have never gone like they haven't gotten the so, time of day on the media, right? So there's a narrative here like where we're focusing on white shooters who are like young, who are depressed, who say they're depressed, they end up killing themselves when a black shooter just two weeks ago just did the same thing in Oklahoma, but they did not get the the, the media the same way these two these two kids did. Well, one, it's a, you were saying you're comparing the mass shooting to a shooting in Chicago. One could be a mass shooting. It's still, it's still, a, these are still mass shootings. I'm saying if you look at what the media does, the reason why this story broke out the way it broke up is, look at who got shot. Is like young kids, mm-hmm. right? Nothing to take away these things. They're white kids who are not black, but like they come from like a, they're either white, a Latino, or whatever, which. If the media plays that, mm-hmm. it's going to hit on the heartstrings of a lot of families because that could be my daughter. Mm-hmm. That could be my son, mm-hmm. right? But you go to, like, other areas where, like, in Chicago, which is, like, it's... Like it's Why do you always go to Chicago? I'm, it's always Chicago when it comes to gun violence. But, bro, it's the place. It's, it's the place for gun violence. There's a lot... No, There's way more places. Chicago is number one it's anymore. Not, it's, 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 it's there. Chicago's, like, um, crime rate is, like, higher when it comes to guns so what i'm trying to say is like there's a narrative where we put white shooters as like the ultimate killers of like mass shootings when there's other different backgrounds which also do the same thing but they never get the time of day so like why is that you know it's just like oh we had this white kid who killed like a black church we had this white kid who killed a black whatever but there's a black guy who does it but just because he doesn't fit in that narrative, we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, I think it's not only the shooter, it's also the victims. Like, it's also part of the narrative that they try to fit in, right? Like, in Atlanta, there there were, like, a bunch of Asian women working at a nail salon that get killed. Mm-hmm. That didn't really gain any traction in the media side. And actually, when when the before the mass shooting happened in Texas... There were some like Taiwanese churches in California also had a mass shooting, which also didn't get any media Traction. coverage. Yeah. So like it's like, I know what you're saying. Like they're really trying to fit everything in the narratives that the they, narrative. they, they because, want to. Because they know, oh, a white kid killed black, ki- black women. Oh, yo, let's sensationalize that. Oh, a white kid went and killed a black church. Oh, let's make that because it fits in the stereotype that the case of a white kid killing black people, which is going to incite another race war, which is going to get a whole lot of black people upset. You have guys like Steve Kerr who get on the news and say, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm sick and tired of like, when is it going to stop? But I'm like, yo, Steve, there's so many shootings have happened this week. Where is like the public outcry and like saying whatever um, to stop this? What like you know what happens? A massive event happens, and then we put the mic in front of a celebrity, and we want him to react in a certain way. So what the media is doing, what I'm noticing is they're telling us to care about certain cases and not care about other cases, which is like so unfair because these little black kids in all over the country who are getting shot up because of gun violence. But yo, your life isn't really that. It doesn't matter because even though we. Th- we where it it matters it doesn't matter towards like the narrative we carry to what we're gonna 
advertised as a is a gun killing that's gonna like cause outrage all over the America and all over the world. So that's why Trudeau, he's seeing what's happening and he's just like taking like action and saying, I'm but I'm banning gun violence because of what I'm seeing in America, you know? Banning guns, you mean? Banning guns. But that's what that's what a lot of people just need to wake up because even like when the Uvalde Texas happened, I felt bad, but I actually didn't really have much of like this angry towards gun violence or whatever, like similar to like when George Floyd died, I was like, cheese. And you remember how I was acting like, but this time around, I was just feeling like, man, why like this case just happened, but you're making me feel like I should be caring about this and tweeting about this when you're not going to tweet about that and whatever, you know? So it's just like, I think we, as people, we have to be really careful of the content we consume and what we're being told to care about because there's an agenda behind it. When you see a white kid killing a black community, that's gonna get mass. But if you see a black guy killing a bunch of like black people within a in a in a, in a condensed area of black people, it doesn't get story and doesn't fit the idea of gun violence. Gun violence is only when it's a white person doing it within a minority group, which is always black people, which gets which which creates outrage and creates a whole narrative that there's this racial tension happening. Well, just because you didn't see doesn't mean it didn't happen. You know, like, or it doesn't get covered either. Like, there's news properties that do cover local gun shootings, but they just don't get as much vitriol because it doesn't cause as much commotion. So, so what are we trying to do? Like, are we trying to cause commotion? Like, why is it that commotion only happens when? So what do you think is a solution here? Just not report on it? It's just not report on it. But like, why is it this Uvalde, Texas case is getting more attention than any other case out there? Because it's a mass shooting. But a mass shooting just happened a week before that in a different area, but it wasn't the white guy killing, like, the black where, family. Where? What was the situation? The, the Oklahoma shooting. The Oklahoma shooting. I'm not even aware of it. Yeah, but that's just, like, one case of, like, where this black guy killed a bunch of people, uh-huh. but it did not really get the national attention. So what I'm saying, what gets national attention and what doesn't get national attention when it's the same thing? I mean, Denzel has an amazing quote that, where he says, if you read the news, you're misinformed. If you don't read the news, you're uninformed, right? So it's the reality that the news is going to cover what it covers, and you have to read it to stay informed on something, right? And it's going to be biases and things that they lead more towards in one end and less towards the other end, you know? But the crux of what he's saying, I think, is one thing we should focus on is, you know, the gun violence in America. And not just gun violence, but the gun um, le- legislation in America. Mm-hmm. That's the real thing that he's trying to bring attention to. Whether it's Oklahoma or Chicago, is that there's laws that makes it easier for people to get guns, and that's what's the, the real crux of the situation. But we need know? to we need to understand who is utilizing guns for these things, and who's utilizing guns for actually being they're law abiding citizens, but they're not actually out here shooting people up. For sure, but if you look at America versus any other country. The gun laws in America are way too lax, you know, and there's just gun shows where you can just buy guns very haphazardly, you know. It's 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 very lax, and it shows globally it's, that there's a trend. So so you think what there should be no tr- difference in legislation in America? I think we're too quick to react to something that's been happening for so long. 
Bro. I agree. The media is trying to control the narratives, but I think America is quite fucked up with guns. Exactly. That, that I feel like, even though I know some of the stories are not being covered, but like how Steve Kerr reacts, I actually really like the clips because I know it's going to gain traction. And I believe that the tra- the changes has to be made. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you think that's that's my question to you? Do you think there should be changes in gun laws? Uh, towards ownership. For sure. No. Really? Yeah, because bruh, it's like this. I let's say I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do this, but I own a phone. You own a phone. There should be phone laws because hey, I recorded. There's an increase of like young men using it to record no that's not the same false equivalency but like let's say you're you know nope. no bro i'm like your child pornography over your phone false equivalency it's caused some but child that's trauma. not false a equivalency. gun you're not gonna kill me with <laughs> that, your phone they exactly. could be exactly they, they could be suicide or whatever like so from a girl just feels like a gun is meant to kill people bro you need to think about why at the beginning americans were allowed to have guns why why it was to control slaves okay i get that but I'm saying it's unfair for the people who own guns to like be subjugated towards being able to purchase guns when they actually use them in the right manner of like either hunting or self-defense. The same way like Trudeau can like say you're banning guns, but the people around him have guns. So if like you're like saying, I don't believe in gun violence, the guys that you're protecting, you want them to use guns to protect you to shoot the person who's going to like come at you. He's not saying he doesn't believe in gun violence or using guns to protect yourself. He's saying it needs to be a ban on guns. Okay, so ban guns to the guys who carry them around you then. Why would he do that? Why would he not do that? Because if you're saying we're noticing gun violence, the thing that you do want me, the thing that you, I'm stopping you from doing is a thing that I'm actually using to protect myself. Mm-hmm. So it's very contradictory. If there's no guns allowed so widely in America, do you need a gun to protect yourself? Like, did you ever feel like you need a gun to protect yourself in Canada? Do you own guns? Do I own guns? I own a, a like a, a replica of a gun. Do you own a gun? I don't own a gun. Okay. But Trudeau's banning that gun that I have. I says like, yo, you cannot buy something like that. And that was a gift I got. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. If you go around uh, Parliament Hill, if you look across the buildings, you see like Mandem sitting up there with guns, right? Everywhere they go, there's guns. So if the thing that you're trying to eradicate is like this legal way of gun ownership, of like self-defense. So we're arguing about two different things here. What do you? What do you? We're talking. We're talking two different things. We're talking. One is is Trudeau's gun, and then we're talking about America's guns. Sorry. So. I want to I stick on America's guns and the gun laws in America. But we started talking about Trudeau here, bro. I know, but the question I asked that got my reaction was, do you think gun laws in America should be changed? Why should they be changed? Because there's a mass shootings going on every year that to the point where people are, um, you know, they just don't care anymore about mass shootings. This, this gun law stuff is going to be so hard to implement because it's, it's essentially like drugs. You can ban drugs. You can make them illegal. You can do whatever. Um, to have access to them, even like the... That's cap. No, bro, think about it. Like, even if it's illegal to, like, have drugs, people will still find a way to have access to these drugs. Like, you can't go buy, um, like, you know, hard drugs that people use recreationally off the countertop of the pharmacy. 
You know what I'm saying? So even if like that, pretend that is a gun. Like, okay, you can't get it like that anymore. So pretend there's a pharmacy of guns. And I used to go to that place to buy guns. So now you're saying that pharmacy were freezing you from selling these hardcore recreational drugs. So pretend that's guns. Okay, you're not going to sell to me. I know underground dealers who have these guns. I can still get access to How do you know underground dealers? The same way people like will find a way to have a... They have before to weed was it. legal, before weed was legal, they had like underground dealers who were like, yo, like the guy came on the corner. You can so, so perfect ex- example. So do you think weed is more accessible now that there's so many dispensaries or do you think it's less accessible than when it was legal? It didn't change. Stop it, bro. Stop it. Come on. Come on, fam. Bro, bro. Stop. You think think weed in Canada, in Toronto, is more, is less, is the exact same accessibility from when it was illegal? Yes. No, not possible. Okay. (laughs) I came from a city that weed is illegal. Not, you can just walk in like a supermarket to get weed. Not possible. So the accessibility actually make a really big difference on the influence of how you normalize one thing. Thank you. Thank you, dorks. But bro, like the way people were consuming weed before to when there's accessibility, yeah, it might have like changed. But if you're an avid weed smoker, you're going to find it regardless if it was legal or illegal. That's not what we're saying. We're saying for the general population, bro, for the gen pop, it is it more accessible to get access to weed? The same way in America, is it easy for a general population to get access to guns? Yes, okay, there is accessibility now, like with like every weed store popping up. But what I'm trying to say is it's like even though those weed stores that were there, people were still smoking weed everywhere and anywhere. All right, boom. So there is less access when the government does not incentivize communities to have shops that give that specific item whether it be guns or weed we can agree there right yes okay so if the government then restricts that access if tomorrow trudeau says ain't no weed stores available in any province within canada there's going to be a decrease in access to weed can you not agree there I can agree. So, in the exact same premise, if America says tomorrow there's going to be a ton less access to guns world nationwide, the access to guns will stop. Correct or no? From like the general, like you're like for, the, for the, the pop, primary market. For primary market. Okay, yes. So, if Gen Pop has less guns, there inherently will be less access to guns, which can result in less mass shootings okay so i think what trudeau's doing is, is marketing i don't think he's actually trying to change the difference in guns in canada because not that many people own guns in canada in comparison if, if, if a hood man wants to get guns he's gonna get a gun point blank period my the, what i'm arguing is in america there should definitely be a change in gun laws to restrict access mm-hmm. because people are getting guns easily and killing people in a mass at scale at a consistent rate to the fact that people are desensitized to gun shootings throughout the country and then doing thoughts and prayers and going back to life. And it's just like nothing's ha- nothing's changing, yet there's a consistent problem of people losing their lives to gun violence. And it's an unfo- unfortunate reality in America. So that's what I argue, and you can wrap it up on that. What do you think? I want to know what you think. Let us know your thoughts. Comment below. 
Yes, sir. Um, either on Spotify, on YouTube, whichever podcast platform you're listening to, TikTok. And uh, let us know what you think. We'll talk to you soon. The hustle is what you can control. So control your grind. I control your life. I'm Alex. And I'm Oino Sinde. And that's the show, y'all. Peace. Have a great week, everyone.